All right, Alexander, we have Boris Johnson hit once again with the Alensky curse twice, one time as prime minister and now as parliament member. But uh, Boris Johnson has to step down. Actually, he announced that he's going to be uh, stepping down as an, an, uh, an MP. And, uh, and the reasons that he cited was a party gate investigation. And I was reading a CNN article on this, and CNN actually claims that this was a, a smart move on behalf of Boris Johnson from the standpoint that Boris gets to preserve his legacy. In other words, he doesn't have to worry about getting voted out or some sort of a scandal that, that throws him out of office. He resigns on his terms, and he can come back and fight another day. I'm not sure what you make of, of that analysis, but um, Boris is, I guess, to a certain degree, he is uh, resigning by choice instead of having to be forced out by this Partygate scandal. So what are your thoughts? No, I, first of all, I agree with CNN in the sense that it was indeed a smart move. Uh, it, it was a, a, a clever move by somebody whose back is against the wall. And it was a desperate one. I mean, it, it might eventually play out well for him because the alternative would have been disastrous. But one can't be one, one cannot be sure he's taking a You know, he's it, it, it's, it was a choice between accepting political oblivion, which is what was coming, or at least giving yourself a fighting chance. But it doesn't mean that that fighting chance is going to succeed. Now, just a couple of things to say. First of all, to be absolutely clear, this is the, this is the Alensky curse coming to hit Johnson. Um, I want to say a few things, first of all, about Johnson. I mean, in my opinion, he was a disastrous prime minister. He, he um, was a political leader with very real political skills. He grasped very quickly, very soon, that there was this shift in public opinion in Britain over Europe. He played an instrumental role in the Brexit referendum campaign. He was absolutely the person who brought everything together in 2019 and won the election in 2019, which made it possible for Britain to leave the European Union, to carry out Brexit. And can I just say, and this is a point which most, most people are not aware of, but in 2019, Boris Johnson won a bigger share of the vote and half a million more votes than Tony Blair did in the Labour landslide of 1997. I mean, he didn't win as big an electoral landslide in 2019 as Labour did in uh, in uh, 97 because despite what people say, uh, Corbyn was able to hold, more, hold together the Labour vote more successfully than the Conservatives were able to hold together their vote in 1997. But if you look at the actual percentages, Johnson actually won more votes and won a higher percentage of the vote in 2019 than Tony Blair did in 97. And, you know, that's the thing people tend to forget and overlook. So he, he achieved all of these things. And then, of course, it became absolutely clear that Johnson was not remotely interested in actually running the country. He got 
completely thrown off course by the pandemic. He tried to regain his support by overcommitting, by committing himself and Britain to Project Ukraine. He played Churchill. He played an instrumental role in creating the crisis in Ukraine. He might have been, as a, a British Prime Minister once upon a time, might have been a moderating force. He was, on the contrary, an escalatory force. And, of course, it hasn't done well for Britain at all. And the mess that Britain is in today, the fact that nothing has been delivered on Brexit, that the economy is in a mess, all of these things, they're largely the consequence of Boris Johnson's own failure. And I think we need to say that. Nonetheless, in spite of all of that, and in spite of the fact that, you know, he did party through the pandemic, and he did say things to the House of Commons which were untrue, but lots of Prime Ministers have done that. I mean, let's not pretend that Prime Ministers always come before the House of Commons and always tell the truth. Anybody who looks at what has happened at the way in which he's been removed from the House of Commons, ought to be really concerned, because what has happened is a, a report, an investigation, has been conducted into his conduct, essentially by his political enemies. It's gone to a committee, which is also largely made up of his political enemies, that committee was about to announce that he should be suspended from Parliament for 10 days because of his misconduct in allying to the House of Commons. Everybody knows that if you are suspended as an MP for 10 days, that could recall, result in a recall petition, which would result in you having to stand in a by-election. Everybody knows that if Boris, even Boris, were forced to stand in a by-election like that, he would probably lose. The Labour Party is ahead in his constituency. So this was clearly a device to take him out. And the reason he has been taken out is not because he's been a disastrous Prime Minister. His policies are no different in any essential respect from those of the present Sunak government or indeed the, the Starmer-led Labour opposition. The reason he's been removed is because we can see right across the political system a systematic campaign to purge from the system everybody, everyone and anyone who was in any way dissident in their political views or unorthodox in their political views, who disagrees with the political establishment on any issue, and who is therefore has to be eliminated. So we saw Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng thrown out. We've seen how Jeremy Corbyn, who is you know the former leader of the Labour Party, he's not even a Labour MP at the moment. There is a massive purge underway within the Labour Party. I sent you a um, article about this. And now Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister who won that huge election victory in 2019 and who delivered Brexit, it is also being pushed out of the House of Commons and probably before long is going to be denied the right to stand as a Conservative MP. So what that means is that come the next election, 
the two men who led the two big political parties in Britain, Boris Johnson and Jeremy Corbyn. Johnson, who won this huge victory in 2019. Corbyn, who came very close to winning that big upset victory in 2017. Neither of those two men, short time ago leaders of their parties, will any more be members of their own political parties. I mean, that gives you an, a sense of the scale of the purge that is taking place. I, I mean, you know, I, I always considered people like, uh, like Liz Truss or Boris Johnson part of the Uniparty, but I guess the, the overall plan is to build the ultimate like Uniparty. It looks like the UK is, is, is constructing the ultimate political system Uniparty where not even 0.001% of... Uh, of the, they won't accept 0.001% of dissension. I mean, you're going to have to be 100% in line. Otherwise, you're out. I mean, if, if they consider someone like Liz Truss or, or Boris Johnson uh, a threat to their, to their thinking and their ideology, my God, what kind of, uh, of political system are we in for in the UK? Well, you're absolutely completely correct. You're totally right. And can I come back to that article that um, um, I spoke about, uh, uh, which was about the, you know, the purge, the ongoing purge that's going on in the Labour Party. And that article appeared in The Guardian, by the way, and it actually refers to paranoia. And it talks about paranoia within the Labour Party. But one senses a kind of paranoia right across the entire political class. As you absolutely rightly said, anybody who deviates even to the most microscopic degree is now being purged. So, you know, within the Labour Party, you know, if you tweeted, if you made a tweet in which you said you agreed with the Greens on something, I mean, you, that, that, that's enough to purge you. I mean, even though it's the Greens, for God's sake. And, and you know, with, with the Conservatives, it's only really now getting underway. But... Johnson, of course, is the single most important emblematic figure within the Conservative Party of the push for Brexit. And what happened was the political establishment saw Jeremy Corbyn win the 2015 election for the leadership of the Labour Party. He came very close to becoming Prime Minister in 2017. He, they had the Brexit referendum in 2016 which resulted in the vote for leave and they also um, have Boris Johnson at, who was you know, the most prominent leave figure win this huge victory in 2019. So they're saying to themselves, we can't let, let this happen. We can't allow this. So everybody, all of those people connected with all of those events must be thrown out. And the result is we're going to have an extraordinarily narrow, as you said, ultimate uni party in charge. And it is becoming less tolerant. It's becoming less tolerant of everybody who might be considered any sort of critic. And we've seen how um, the anti-terrorist laws are now be used to question journalists, you know, the Kit Clarenberg affair and things like that. And I'm sure we're going to see an awful lot more over the next few uh, weeks and months and years.
Yeah. yeah. All everything that's happening on this, you know, elite political level is going to get turned onto onto the population as well, to the general population. Uh, what do you make, real quick, about uh, the arrest of uh, Nicola Sturgeon? Yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I, I'm going to say again that. I, I, I don't think these things happen by chance. Now, Sturgeon um, was, t to a great extent, a member of that broader uni party that you have been talking about. I mean, the, I mean, she, she was first minister for Scotland and she ran Scotland and she was ultimately, she never really challenged the authority in, of the government in London in any particular way. And most people who've looked at her record basically agree she didn't she didn't run Scotland very well. And there are now very well grounded concerns about corruption within the Scottish Nationalist Party. All of which is true, by the way. And I mean I don't want to um, you know understate any of these real problems. But the reason she was first forced out of um, her position as First Minister of Scotland, the reason the ultimate uni party, to which, to be very clear, you know, all of these agencies that are conducting these investigations in Scotland answer to, um, the reason she was ousted, the reason she's been arrested, the reason she's quite likely at some point to face charges is not because she's guilty, because, yes, maybe she is guilty, but she's only guilty of things that happen Quite a lot now in the political system. I mean, corruption like the kind that she's conducted. Well, if you knew anything about how the Labour Party used to run Scotland, its corruption was even greater. The reason she's been arrested is, again, because she leads the Scottish National Party. And the Scottish National Party, again, is a kind of challenge, however incoherent, however weak, to the dominant position of the ultimate uni party in London. So the project now is to destroy the SNP, just as the left of the Labour Party has been destroyed, just as the right of the Conservative Party is being destroyed. You destroy the SNP as well. You do it by discrediting it, by constructing the scandal around Sturgeon, and then of course you return Scottish politics to the old situation it had before the SNP broke through um, in the mid-2000s. You bring back a situation where it, Scotland is once again controlled by Conservative and Labour, Conservative and Labour being both branches of the ultimate uni party in London. I want to make it clear again, I'm not giving Sturgeon a clear pass here. I mean, I don't know about... I, I'm not familiar with the exact charges against him. I didn't think she was a good First Minister. I'm fully prepared to accept that the corruption charges may be well-founded. But corruption is not unique to the SNP. It's certainly not unique to Nicola Sturgeon. The reason it's been conducted, this case has been brought against her, is, I am sure, the reason that I said. Destroy the SNP, destroy... Boris Johnson, essentially destroyed Jeremy Corbyn, destroy, isolate Nigel Farage, who's barely visible anymore. I mean, he 
apparently can't get onto the media to any great extent any longer. And all the voices are silenced. All right, uh, we'll leave it there. It sounds terrifying. It really does. It's, it seems like the UK is much further along on this, uh, this path towards complete authoritarianism than, than any other country. That, that, that yeah, I think, think so. At this point I in think time. so. I mean, certainly a lot further than the United States is because, again, we have this fundamental problem in Britain that we do not have a written constitution. So we don't have a constitutional document which... You, to some extent, at least, restricts what the power can do. And they can always create new precedents. There's the body of law, but, you know, law, laws can always be changed. And in Britain, that's a relatively easy thing to do. Britain always relied on, you know, this system that everybody understood that certain things you shouldn't do because they cut across, they cut against the essentially you know, sort of emerging democratic ethos that had developed. And for a long time that worked. But when you have a you know, political establishment that is both extremely ruthless and very insecure at the same time, because they do feel very insecure, then, of course, these conventions don't really matter anymore. They can just be pushed aside, and they are being. Okay. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Odyssey, but shoot to Rumble and Telegram. We go to Duran shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.